So I wasn't suggesting that I was going to actually um, preach it in another language or uh, hanging from somewhere or anything terribly extreme. But I believe that it's very pertinent that when we, when we learn about stuff, we actually put it into action. Anybody with me? Yes. Or are we just too limp? Because it's getting cooler. And so I've loved the fact that over the last couple of weeks, we've had some incredible messages about the third commandment. Now, the third commandment goes like this from Exodus 20, verse 7. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. That's not the sort of thing you like to hear. That's like when you've been, and I grew up in the country, and so my life every day was hanging by a thread. Because we'd climb trees, we'd uh, sort of play around dams, creeks, running water. We could have drowned or fallen from a great height at any moment. And my mother was nowhere in sight. In fact, Vicky will att attest to this often when we were around at their place playing. The only, the only way we knew dinner was ready is they had a huge ship's bell by the back door and they'd ring it. And m you could hear it for miles. And it was a good job because that's usually off how far away we were. And, and we'd sort of race back because... If you got there late, you didn't get much to eat. But you didn't... I don't know what the point of that story was. Um, I think, yeah, being, being safe. Uh, and it was when you got home and you were covered in... Especially me, playing in the dam, you were covered in this red clay, or orangish clay. And I can still remember the, the day my mother said, do not go anywhere near that dam again. And it's a bit like, you know, or you will suffer the consequences, just like this. But see, I'm a lot cleverer than my mother, especially as a, as a nine-year-old. So I used to sneak there so that she wouldn't know. But what really upset me was that every time I did that and went back, she would say, you've been down the creek. And I'd say, how do you know? And she said, you're covered in orange clay. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how kids never twig to the, the obvious things? But... I, I did not go unpunished because I disobeyed my mother's commands, even though I thought while I was happily playing that I'd got away with it. So you need to be practical. You need to actually do what God says, just the way you should do what your mother says. That's for all your children here. Um, the mother's paid me well to say that. So hopefully over the last couple of weeks, we've come to an understanding about the reverence and the holiness we need to have when it comes to God's name and our relationship with him especially how we use his name, and particularly when we use his name and our name in the same sentence. Because strange things can happen. And uh, so this morning, because they were such great messages, I'm not going to compete with those. I'm going to ignore everything that was said before, and I'm believing that you absorbed all of it, and you understood all of it, and that you are au fait with everything that's been said and we're going to go straight into the practical application. So, loosen your collars. There's going to be some movement, mainly by me. Um, so, I, wa I want to outline four distinct changes that we need to make in our day-to-day -day behavior, which will help us and the people that we interact with know that we are serious about God's Word without being weird. Well, not too weird anyway. So I want to go through these very quickly because who knows that if God asks you to make a behavioral change, it's impossible. And I'm sure God designed it that way because it's impossible unless we ask him to be a part of the solution. And so when I finish speaking, I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to pray for solutions. We're going to pray for changes. We're going to pray for habits to be shifted. We're going to pray for a lot of things and it's going to be punchy. So... I've got 20 minutes to get through these four points. It's now 11 o'clock. I'm going to be finished dead on 20 past. Point number one, don't swear. Now, some of you are already thinking, come on, this is Australia. That's too bloody hard. <laughs> now, culturally, I believe that's, that's a fair statement to make because it's part of our language. People don't get insulted sometimes by swearing. And yet we have Christians, let's take that word that I just used, bloody who will come and tell you that the reason that it's not good is that deep in the past, bloody actually refers to the blood of Christ. And that when you say bloody, even though it may be simply part of our language today, you're actually dishonouring God. 
That is bull. <laughs> the word bloody came into use in about the 16th century, not before that, and it was used as a pejorative. In other words, it wasn't a nice thing to say, referring to people of the upper classes because they were known as blue bloods. Have you heard the term blue blood? Royalty, upper class? And, and isn't there a TV show something about people behaving badly? Uh, yeah, but there was a, a silly one about something like blue bloods. Yeah. But, and I think uh, Monty Python had a great um, sketch about upper class twits. <laughs> and, and this was actually a derogatory term because people of the upper classes used to go to hoity-toity establishments and get absolutely smashed and wander out onto the street and behave very badly. And so to be a bloody idiot was actually referring to the fact that you were a blue blood idiot and it has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And so people get caught up in this whole semantics of swearing. So let's take a step back from that. Never mind what you say, why do people swear? Now I know that if, uh, if you're one of the cultural people whose name starts with B and ends in N, um, then swearing actually becomes like punctuation in your sentences. I know there are people in Australian culture who add the F word, the C word, the B word, and any other word they can think of as and punctuation as common as an and, but, a and I. But that's not what I'm talking about. Most people swear when something happens which causes a negative emotional response. It's usually anger, frustration, disappointment, pain or disgust. They're the main reasons that we actually break out and swear. Do any of those sound familiar? Yeah. I think we sort of discussed a little earlier on, there's a, uh, a commandment number six that says do not murder and we talked about how the fact that often these situations come about by anger. So our temptation to swear actually leaves us open to breaking a couple of commandments because Swearing is a slippery slope. We can start off, I, mean, I saw a post today from somebody from another church saying, frickin'. And that's a harmless word, doesn't mean anything. What's a frick? <laughs> but the, 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 the power behind it is because people know what it really means. And it's a slippery slope. You know, even terms I think uh, people talked about it, gore blimey is actually short for God blind me. Um, there are also all sorts of things that are innocent sounding, but you start to use the name of God in a way you shouldn't. Rather than try and stay up the top of the slippery slope, let's be people who don't even go there. We don't need to swear. If we're angry, say, I'm angry. <laughs> if you hurt yourself, say, ow, that hurt. <laughs> if you don't like people, say, I do not like you. Sam I am. It's hard to do, but uh, we're called the set-apart people. We are called to be set-apart, not swearing is a way that we can be set-apart. You don't have to take everybody else to task for swearing, but just make a covenant now that we are going to be people who do not even go there where the chance might be that we take the name of the God that we hold up and, and glorify and honour in a slip that is going to bring dishonor to his name. Don't swear. Number two. Oh, I'm on time. Don't name drop with God. How? I hate it when you get into conversations with people. Now, I know that's a strong word. What I mean is that I get annoyed sometimes when people enter into a conversation with me and the main thrust of their conversation is to let me know who they know. I just want to talk to you about this because the other day I was, I was talking to the Prime Minister and uh, you were? Yeah, oh, didn't you know? I know the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition and really, and what did you want to talk to me about? Well, I, I don't like the music. And uh, what did the Prime Minister have to say about that? <laughs> that, that? All they're doing is bringing it up to make them sound more important because they know somebody important. There's a lovely story about the American Civil War where just after one of the major battles, the, the, the fall of Atlanta, uh, President Lincoln was at a White House function and a woman came up to him and said, Mr. President, I feel sure that God is on our side, don't you? And Lincoln turned to her and he said, Madam, 
He said, I am more concerned that we are on God's side. And all too often, especially in church, we try to flip that around to give ourselves authority. Because there's a, a tendency in Christian circles to justify our, our message or our action by tacking phrases on like, I feel led by God. Or God told me that I'm going to marry you. How would you, how would you like to be confronted with that? How, and people come to me and they say, God has told me to leave the church. Um, the, you know, if, if they feel that God's told you, it's, it's a dare basically, so what are you going to do about it? You know? and, and I can say, well, God's told me you're not to go. And they say, well, that's not what he told me. And th- where do you go? Where do you go with that? There's a principle involved. It's called dishonesty. If you want to do something, admit that you want to do something and say you want to do it. If you want to go, and, and it happens to people, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. We, we've had people who have come and said, look, I've got a job interstate. We're moving because I need a job. What's wrong with that? People have to do these things. But sometimes people come and say, well, I feel God's moving us interstate. Uh, I applied for a job and got one, so it must be God. Um, and so we're leaving. Don't do that. Be honest. You need money. There's nothing wrong with that. You've got skills. The jobs aren't here. Now, if you, if you come to me and say, look, I've got faith that God is doing this. It's going to be tricky because um, I know that there are situations where people have had opportunities like that and they've said, I believe God wants me here. And that always breaks my heart because I know that there's a struggle involved. But you know, we, we heard on, on Friday night, one of the important things, most important things that we can do is never interrupt God when he's taking people through a struggle. Pray for them, yes. Believe in them, help them. But never try and make the road easier. God has something amazing in mind for people like that. If God is talking to you, God always takes you somewhere, doesn't take you away from something. If you came to me and said, I believe God is telling me, let's take Carmen and Nathan as a a totally obscure, unrelated thing. If God said to them, I I believe there's a church in you guys, (laughs) there's, there's always confirmation when God says, when you heard Jude say that, how many people thought, nah, forget it, what a stupid thing to say. Most of us thought, oh, that's, that sounds fair to me. So God confirms things in other people's hearts. But if Nathan came to me today and said, look, I feel we're going to start it tomorrow and uh, we feel to take all the young adults with us and start it. <laughs> I would say, I'm sorry, but God did not tell you that. Because that is not something that is confirmed in my heart. And uh, you're, you're being a naughty boy. Um, so, but does God speak to us? Absolutely. But we've got to be honest about what that looks like. In 1 Corinthians seven ten, Paul makes it incredibly clear about what he says and what God says. In verse 10 he says, But for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. So he's very clear. And if we go on to the next verse, once he's got through that, he says, Now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. This is my interpretation of what you should be doing. Now this is the Apostle Paul. Every word he spoke, people hung on thinking that God was speaking to him directly. But he was very clear. This is what I believe God's spoken through me. This is what I'm saying to you through the wisdom I've learned. And he wasn't unhappy about saying, no, this is my idea, this is God's idea. We need to be that honest. Our ideas aren't necessarily bad ideas just because they're not God ideas. We just have to make sure that they don't cross over God ideas. That if they're in parallel, we can take credit for them. Say, no, that was my idea. Don't say, well, God told me. Because you automatically hem people in. People come up and say, God told me you should start a new missions thing. Well, God didn't tell me to start one. Now, God might be telling you to start one. Oh, no, no, it's not my... my. I don't believe God gives people words about things they're not going to be involved in, in one way or another. But that's just me. God did not tell me that, all right? Um, But God always confirms his word. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, 
It says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good, stay away from all evil. We are called to test the Word of God. If you get a word, a strong word that you believe God's telling you to do something, confide in someone you trust who's a Christian, who is on fire for God, who you know hears from God, and ask them to confirm it. Ask them to go away and pray. Wait, ask God to confirm it. Ask him, you say, yeah, I want a prophecy. I I, I love this idea, but, you know, I'm not going to move until I'm sure that this is right. God will always confirm his word. Number three, I'm racing through this. Are you keeping up? Right. Don't take God's honour. Now, this is almost the opposite of the first one. Rather than using God's name, often we rob him of honour by leaving his name out entirely. By saying, yep, it's all me. It's all me. I'm good. I prayed last night and because I'm an anointed pastor of the church, I believe that my prayers broke through the walls of hell and I have defeated the devil (laughs) single-handedly. What a load of... Yes. Refer to point one. Paul, I think, again, typifies this. 2 Corinthians 12. This is from the message. It's an interesting piece of scripture. He says, you forced me to talk this way, and I do it against my better judgment. But now that we're at it, I may as well bring the matter of vision and revelation that God gave me. See, he's not keen on talking about it, but we get out of this that God has given him a vision. For instance, he says, I know a man who 14 years ago was seized by Christ and swept into ecstasy into the heights of heaven. I really don't know if this took place in the body or out of it. Only God knows. I also know that this man was hijacked into paradise. Again, whether in or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Then he heard the unspeakable spoken, but was forbidden to tell what he heard. This is the man I want to talk about. But about myself, I'm not saying another word apart from the humiliations. Who's this man that Paul's talking about? It's him. But he's so aware of the fact that people need to hear about the glory of Christ. He talks about himself in the third person just so that people don't think it's him. How many of us would tell a good story that we're involved in without mentioning our name? Yeah, well, God spoke to me because I was on my knees deep in prayer and I was probably a really holy moment. I was cleansed and pure and God used me in that moment. It was, it was incredible. But that's the sort of thing we'd say. Or is that just me? Um, very few of us would say, well, yeah, well, you know, I know a guy who actually really had this really strong vision from God and the, and the picture of God was glorious and, and leave themselves out of the picture. Because that's what we... Don't take God's honour. We're here to, to lift the name of God, not lift, lift the name of even C3 Church or the name of Chris or Liz or, or Toby or Mark or anyone who may or may not be here. Are there any Tobys and Marks? No. <laughs> Be surprised if it was. They're my cousins, and they live in England. Um, there's the wisdom of the, the two people coming out of a, a worship service. It would never happen in this church. But one asked the other how they had found the service. Oh, the other one replied, "Well, I didn't really get anything out of the worship." To which the other person said, "Sorry, I didn't realise it was for you." <laughs> Sometimes we've got to remember who's who's the hero here. God. Our, our prayers, our worship are meant to be God-centered, not self-centered. We're not actually meant to come to church and critique the worship. We're there to actually bring our worship to God. You know, sometimes if the sound system goes buzzy and fuzzy and upsets that, we can think, oh, it wasn't good, I didn't enjoy that. But we actually need to be mature enough to overcome that and say, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm here to bring my worship to God. Do not take his honour. You're not the hero. God is our hero. Number four, do not live an inconsistent life. I know too many people who don't go to church because their parents were Sunday Christians and weekday heathens. I've heard stories of people who are pillars of the church on Sunday and beat their wife and kids the rest of the time. I've heard stories of hypocrisy that has shocked me. Because people have got this idea that you come to church on Sunday, you can get your sins absolved, you can get close to God and the rest of the week you can go to hell because you can come back to heaven on Sunday. 
we have to avoid that like the plague because that is something that turns people away from Christ like nothing on earth. They want to see that Jesus has changed our lives 24-7, not just on Sunday. We're not called just to be good one day of the week. Groan. We're called to be good every day of the week. We are called to be light of the earth, salt of the earth. And who knows that if you go to your salt container, and I haven't actually tried this, so it might be worth experimenting. Try it every day of the week and see if one day it's salty than the others. Because I'm pretty sure that it's the same saltiness every day of the week. And so we're called to be that. We're called to be the light of the world. We're called to be salt of the earth 24-7. Do not live an inconsistent life. So there we have it. I'm running ahead of schedule here. Four different things we need to look at. First of all, don't swear. Do not go on to that place where we take God's name in vain or even danger of using his name in a way that is derogatory. Don't name drop. You are the sons and daughters of the Most High God, but you don't have to advertise. By, what's that saying? Um, and this is a bit sexist but it comes from the 18th century so bear with me uh, the, the saying was that any woman who tells, has to tell you she's a lady isn't any Christian who has to tell you they're a Christian isn't so where was I with that that was don't name drop yep. um, don't take God's honour remember to give him the glory and not you and be consistent in your life now the great thing about all of these things is that to do that a lot of, I, I would say a lot of us are doing pretty well with that right now. But I know that God's never satisfied with what you're doing today. He wants your tomorrow to be different. Which means that if we're going to change something, we're going to have to raise the bar. And if we're going to raise the bar, guess what? We can't do it on our own. We've got to get God's help in this. So I want to pray for people. I want to pray for people who want to raise the bar, basically, when it comes to taking God seriously in their lives. Often we get to a certain level of relationship with God and we struggle to increase that intimacy because we've relaxed our reverence for the name of God. We struggle with our own voice and desire versus God's voice and His desires for our life. Sometimes we don't give God the glory that He deserves in our lives. If we want to break through to a new level of intimacy, we've got to realize we can't do it without the Holy Spirit's help. And... This morning, so, can I get you all to stand? Now, you may want to break something in this area. You may be somebody who slips up with your tongue occasionally and says things that could be considered blasphemous. And you know you shouldn't, but you want to break it. Or you may be somebody who struggles with it but you believe has, you've achieved a certain level of success, but you don't want to be just a, a, a um, survivor. You want to be an overcomer. You want to take it to the next level. You want to be victorious in that. Then this is for you as well. If you're somebody who, who just thinks, well, okay, I want a, a greater intimacy with God. What I've heard this morning, I can see as a pathway to doing that. I want the Holy Spirit to work in my life to actually achieve that then I want to pray for you as well. So can I get this, this out of the way? If that's you this morning, if you actually want to move that step further, can I get you just to come out here on the altar and I want to pray with you. And can I get a couple of strong guys here as well? Can I get Brendan and Nathan to stand behind you? Because this isn't going to be an ordinary prayer line. Um, because... Uh, there's another scripture I want to show you from, uh, uh, I'll know it when it gets up there. Are we able to show that one, Jane? The last scripture on there? From John chapter 5, I think. And it's talking about the man at the pool at uh, Bethesda. And uh, Jesus asks him why he can't get healed. And he's been lying for this, by this pool for 18 years. And it's interesting, he says, I've got no one to put me in the 
pool when the water bubbles up, somebody else always gets there first. And I thought, this is really interesting. There's a miracle we have here that only happens when the water's disturbed. And so for the people this morning, often I think when we get prayed for, it's sort of like, yeah, this is nice and dreamy and, and God's here and here I pray the Holy Spirit on you and it's all really good. But this morning, I think if we want to change habits, if we want behavioral change, if we want long-lasting change, there's got to be a shake-up. <laughs> and so, see, your adrenaline's going, you're ready for change. And so this is what, this is what it's going to be like. And I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes. And this is why I've got Brendan and Nathan here, because I'm going to shake you up. And they're there to hold you so you don't fall over. Not until I say you can, anyway. And I, wa I want you to be thinking of what needs to change. Because God is going to bring something. You know, pre pregnant ladies will only get shaken sort of very gently. <laughs> but I, I just want you to be in a, a place where you, you're prepared to take on board something significant. Because I believe that that's what God wants to do. I believe God's bringing change, healing, restoration. He is not content with the status quo. He wants to give you a new change of direction. He says, off with the old, off with the old, in with the new, in with the new. Let it come in. Let it come in. You too. Come on. Take it. Take it. Take it. Get rid of that woolly thinking. Come on. Come on. That's it. No, come on. Don't move your feet. That's cheating. Come on. That's it. You've got to feel like you're losing your balance because when you lose your balance, God takes control. Lord, I just thank you. I pray your Holy Spirit of change into Ben right now. I thank you that old things don't just fade away. They shatter and disappear. Lord, actually, Jess, can I get you to step back? Because I want to pray for you in a minute. You've been shaken up already. I can see you're grinning, waiting for something new as it is. Lord, I just thank you right now power of change right now the power of difference so you, you, you're resisting just let it go no, it's alright I won't let you fall just rock that's it see that's what happens with God God brings something into your life and you, you're worried that you're going to lose control don't worry just lose control that's it that's it Lord right now right now Hit it with your spirit. Change. Change. Just like her mother. Woo. No, you've learned. That's it. That's it. Relax. Relax. Holy God, I just thank you right now. Thank you that you're breaking chains. Thanking that you're building blocks for Michelle to stand on. Holy Spirit, fill her right now with a fire, a fire to change fire to bring new life in Jesus name Mary give me a hug <laughs> come on of your own free will I just want you to wrap your hands around me give me a hug come on Lord I thank you for the breaking of chains so you just got to make people do things they wouldn't normally do there's power in that Lord, I just thank you that in Barry's heart and his mind and his body that you have just broken chains. That through that one small release, that one small yielding to you, that things have... Take your hands out of your pockets. Come on. Come on. This is serious. Mighty God, I just thank you right now. Smite this guy with nice stuff. You know, give him the desires of his heart. Look. Lord, you know that he, he's, he's out there. He's prepared to take risks. He's prepared to put his life on the line. I just thank you, Lord, that he's going to put your life on the line right next to his. In Jesus' name. Okay, Grandma. There's another one on the way. And I, I believe that you are going to be instrumental in bringing a peace and a comfort coming weeks and months not just by being nice old Liz but by having somebody who is prepared to do the hard yards prepared to be a support
prepared to actually be there to give the wisdom that God has given you, but in a new way. It's not going to be the old way. Something is shifting. Something is shifting mightily. And it's being passed on. Where's Ashley? Is she not here today? No, wedding. Okay, well, that will have to give Carmen twice as much then. Lord, new life, especially when it's the second time round, can be assumed to be the same as the first time. But I'm believing this, this new life is going to change your lives. Not as in the fact that now there's two, so it's an extra burden. But now there's something different, which is going to complete the family that you have. It's going to bring something new. There's going to be something different, but it's going to actually strengthen you. And this is for you as well. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to change you. There are going to be changes made in your life by you that you wouldn't have believed you would do. You wouldn't have believed yourself capable. You wouldn't even wanted to go there. But suddenly there's going to be a desire in your heart to do things that are out of the box. And guess what? This woman here is going to be part of that. And she's going to help you with that. Gosh, I can't wait. This is fun. Right. I want you to stand on one leg, Marilla. Because you've always been a steady person. I believe that you're going to have to... Yeah, no, keep that leg up. You're going you're to have to rock and roll with the wind. God is going to cause you to not be stable. He's going to say, you are not going to be the stable rock that people see and you are not going to be afraid of that. He's going to bring something that you... You're going to be known as an unstable person. You're going to be somebody who doesn't do the things that people think you are going to do. And God is going to bring joy in that. He's going to bring a change out of that. He's going to make you stand on one leg to do it. You two. Now, can can I get you to move back a bit? Come on. I'm just going to smash you two into each other a couple of times here. Because... This is another, another t- and yeah, and Granny, you can come up here as well. Because I believe that, you know, God does things in families. And I believe that you have, you have stood solid. You have been a rock. And the time has come for you to actually be gravel. You've got to be flowing and flexible. Same size as a rock. You don't get any less just because it's gravel. But it's fluid and flexible. And it speaks. Who knows that it's easy if you've got sand or gravel, you can write a message in it. But if you've got a rock, unless you scratch it hard and damage it, it's hard to write on. And I believe that's what God's got for your life. He's turning what has been a rock in the past into something more flexible, into something more visible, into something which actually you can write on. Because you are called to write instructions for the next generation. You are called to write on their spirits and on their souls in a different way than you've done so far. And it's going to be a shake-up. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be nice. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be different. Possibly not even playing guitar or perhaps playing left-handed. Cool. Perhaps the congas. Who knows? But when different comes along, grab different by the hand. Don't fall back. Granny, God's not done with you. Not by a long shot. I'm not done with you yet either. God says there is no easing there is no there is no old age rest there's new age excitement you have something something that gives into people's hearts God says don't let it shine dimly but crank it up crank it up be 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 super granny Go and buy Harley. That's what you need to do. Everybody, we're going to have an offering next week. Granny's buying a Harley. It's different. It's new. Right. Actually, I've got some people that... Okay, can I get Abby out here? And uh, Megan? And... um, And Diane? And... And... Owen? Can you guys just stand back? I'm going to just take all these guys on a journey. 
can you can you can you come this way and face face there? Yep, Jess, um, Owen. We'll have to have two rows. Jess and Abby can be in the back row. Uh, no, no, sorry. Well, I mean, rows that way. So yeah, Owen's right. Owen and Megan can stand there, perhaps with Abby. No, no, you're all face, facing me, facing me, facing me. So that's it. Jess, you can come out this side a bit. Okay, you ready? Now, follow me. Okay, look behind you. Now, that was a trick question. Statement actually. I believe that God's saying you guys are walking towards Him, and the temptation that you all have is to look behind you to see where you've come from. And I believe that part of God's message to you today is to say that you need to keep walking and never, never look back. Because the problem is that when you look back, what you see are giants, and some of you are afraid of those giants, and some of you want to go back and kill them. That's you and you to some degree and you because you've all had things taken from you by those giants you want revenge God's saying vengeance is mine what you need to do and the other thing is that you can kill those giants it's eminently possible and you're quite capable of doing it but God is saying don't leave them to me you actually have to lay down something you're quite capable of doing say no I'm giving it to God I'm not going to go back and fight those giants because that's God's business you can do it but it's not going to do you any good so okay let's go back again come on we have to walk quicker than this this is this, this is exercise now okay let's do it again radio okay look behind you Do, do we? <laughs> we gonna are we gonna have to do this again? <laughs> I think I think you've got the picture. Thank you. <laughs> but hey, that's that. God is the giant slayer. You just need to move towards Him. He will slay the giants. He's got your lives in His hands, and He knows what's happening. Trust in Him, because He loves you guys. And I know that He's got big plans. I hope He has, because I've got big plans. Right, who haven't we got yet? Bill, there's nothing better than muscling up to your son's father-in-law. Bill, have you heard, ever heard of asymmetric warfare? It's what people, it's the modern term people give to guerrilla warfare. It's basically when you fight against somebody with, against overwhelming odds. And asymmetric warfare takes on a different thing. Symmetrical warfare is two big armies come together and boom, and the strongest one wins. Asymmetric warfare is where you have to be sneaky. And I believe that that's what God's got in plan for you. That you are, you're not a warrior as in a standing there with a sword and shield. You're, you're, you've got the camouflage paint on, dagger in your belt, and you're sneaking through the jungle. And this isn't your usual, you know, you're the salt of the earth, the upright, honest type. God's saying, stay that way. But in spiritual matters, you need to be sneaky. Don't confront the devil head on. He's expecting that. Don't confront people head on. They're expecting it. But you are called to be sneaky in your ways. You know, gentle as doves, wise as serpents. You're called to have a sting in what you do. You're not nice Dr. Bill anymore. You are secret agent Bill Logan. God's sneak thief among the people. And that's, that's something that plays with you because it's not, not you, but God's going to say, I'm going to give you opportunities to be sneaky. And when you see them, you are going to laugh and say, I'm going to take that. It's going to be a different different thing. Uh, there's one caveat. He said, no playing any tricks on your pastor. <laughs> Elon, I almost don't need to shake. You've had a fair bit of shaking up as it is. New houses, things going on, some good, some not. But I believe that God is actually going to take you to a place where it's not about you anymore. Uh, it's not about you coping. It's not about you projecting something. Because 
you're an incredible asset. You get around people, people smile around you. You're, you're really good with that. But I believe that God's cha- not changing that in taking it away. But you're going to have a presence because when you see what's happening, when you see those people, you're going to get a burden to actually do something in those people's lives. And it's not going to, it's not involvement as in huge sort of getting into their lives, but you're going to be able to speak a word. You're going to be able to just an action, just praying for them even. And they're going to feel a power in you that you haven't felt before. It's not just friendliness. It's not just niceness. It's actually sort of like being hit with a hammer, but you're a nail. I mean, you know, you can hit a window with a hammer and that's nasty, but you hit a hammer, a nail with a hammer, it does something. And I believe that that's what God's got for you. You are going to be the hammer going to be able to see the nails that need hammering in in people's lives and you're going to, it's going to be just like a done all over what was that nothing nothing just doing what god told me to do so almost like bill you're a bit of a secret agent as well but i can see that and so that's that's going to come that's change gwenda how about a job or how about not a job be a change I don't know but I know that God's saying you need to shake, shake that. Th- this woman might I just say is, a, is really good at zero <laughs> zero actually happens to be an accounting package not nothing um, but she's been helping me in the, in the office with that and I, I just don't know what I'd do without her at the moment um, and that may be part of the change um, although I, I sort of feel that's too easy I mean, I want that as well. That could be just me. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that right now, but I do know that God is going to bring a change. And I, and I think it's going to be a boldness. I think it's going to be uh, a... Some of the things you say in text messages are going to come out of your mouth. And some of the things that you're thinking that you would never say, you're going to say. And some of the people that you feel that you could never approach and in a spiritual sense you're just going to bowl up to them and say well I, I believe that this is what God wants me to do for you and people are going to look and think that's different and guess what it's going to be different say it's good are you receiving it it's good I don't know yes right no. right Jared I can be really rough with you right okay God has you in a stranglehold he says he has seen what happens when you put your skills to work he has seen what happens when you focus and God says unfocus he says see the things around you more because God has put them there for you to enjoy there isn't just one thing you can do more than one thing at once though not will but God's saying that change is possible in you I know you've got big things you've got year 12 and that is huge yes I know but you see, God is with you in all of that. The, if, if I told you that at the end of your year 12 was an incredible result and that that was guaranteed by God, would you worry about year 12? It's guaranteed. It doesn't matter what you do. You wouldn't worry about it anymore, are you? No. Well, that's not what happens. <laughs> what you've got to do is you've got to work because you can see that vision. That vision is what drives you. Not... Um, that funny blocky game Minecraft not Minecraft or little computers but a goal because your life will change when you reach that goal it's going to be different okay okay ah and oh you need roughing up all those smooth edges I don't know you're a you're a fireball but you're a smaller fireball than you used to be. I'm talking about the fireball part. I'm not <laughs> going anywhere, anywhere with that. <laughs> and God's saying that there's a, there's a flame in there, but you're searching for an outlet. God says that will come. That you don't have to search for it. You just have to keep the fire burning. And that outlet will come. And it won't be what you expect, but it'll be new, it'll be exciting. And... Uh, excited about it don't know what it is but it's going to be good but it's also more than you're doing now there's a capacity in you that hasn't been tapped and uh, it's going to come out there's going to be a few how are your feet good I see there's going to be some uh, ass kicking 
involved. So only in a holy way, of course, they keep that going. Well, you know what's coming. You know that there's a fight. And, what, and see, what I know is that there's a fight in you. You know, Nathan had, had prophesied over him that there was a church in him. See, I know that there's a fight in you. And that fight has yet to come out. You sort of think, well, that, that can't be fair. I've been fighting you know, with all sorts of things over the last couple of years. But God said, no, that, that's training. There's going to be a fight, but the fight is won. He's saying, don't worry. Don't, your head stays cool. Your heart stays calm. Your spirit is flaming and alive. And he says, if you keep that up, the things of the head, the things of the heart, they're going to fall into line. But you and Anita and the rest of your family, you keep your spirits on fire and things are going to change. There's going to be a day when you step out onto this place and you're going to give a testimony that he's going to blow people away because of the fire in your spirit. Your mind's all good. Your heart's calm. Keep it that way. Things are going to change. I'm looking for it. Right. You are going to stop walking and start running. First on the flat, then up the slopes, you are going to breeze up Mount Lofty, let me tell you. But I believe that is a metaphor for your life. You've taken some time off. You've gone for a bit of a stroll. You've been walking. God's saying it's time to start running. It's time to think of your not just your physical fitness, which might I say is looking pretty good, but your emotional, your spiritual fitness is going to come up as well. God is going to place challenges there like exercises to bring you up to speed. Then he's going to use what he's placed in you in a different way. It's going to be new. Hey, no, don't go away from me. Don't take this calmly. This is frightening. You need to be worried, extremely worried, because of what's going to happen. Amen. Holy Ghost, fill him. Running spirit. Amen. You want me to rough you up as well, Brendan? The spoken word is going to become the outspoken word. God has placed a burden in your heart to see what he sees and to speak what he's called you to speak. It's a spear. It's sharp. God says pick your targets well. He hasn't designed you to be a shotgun. It's not a blast. It's a spear. Choose your targets. Aim for the bullseye. Speak. Choose your words. And you will see fruit beyond anything you can believe in different areas of your life. That gym work's doing really good. Quickly, take your seats. Was there anybody else who wanted to be roughed up? Before I finish, and I know this has gone, you know, kept the message short, but then blew out on the older call. But when it comes to using God's name, there's two things that set Christians apart from the rest of the world. And that's encapsulated in Romans 10.10. It says, if we believe in Jesus' name in our hearts, then he forgives our sins. And then it goes on to say, if we proclaim or confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ, the name Jesus Christ, is the name of our Lord and Saviour, then we shall be saved. That's actually all it takes to start a journey walking with Jesus Christ. We need to know in our heart that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And that's, that's our private walk with God. If you know it in your heart, you know you, know you carry God in your heart. He's there in your pre- private prayer time. He's there. But when we speak and we say and we confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that's when we become part of the body of Christ. Because you see, Christianity isn't a lone exercise. There's no such thing as a lone Christian. If you are, you're not. And so 
to become a Christian, to become a son or a daughter of God, you have to do two things. The first is to know in your heart that He is your God. And the second is to make a public declaration that Jesus Christ is your Lord. And we do that in this church by inviting you out the front and getting you to say a prayer, accepting Jesus into your life after me. Now that might sound a bit frightening, but the cool thing is that the whole church stands up and everybody says it, so nobody can hear your voice. So I don't know everyone here this morning. I don't know the state of people's hearts. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, first of all, we're going to do the private bit. I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. No looking around. And if you're here and you, for the first time, have come to a revelation that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your heart, that you know that He is living in you, that you have accepted Him as your Lord and Saviour, even if it's not for the first time, if you've done it and you believe that you've done things that would take you far enough away from God that you perhaps have to reaffirm that Jesus is in your heart. While nobody's looking around, I want you to lift your hands right now so that I can see them. And I'll acknowledge that hand. If you are here today and you have come to a revelation that Jesus Christ needs to be in your heart as Lord of your life, nobody's looking around just quickly raise your hand and I'll see that hand anyone at all nobody here in that case we can skip step two because you're all holy you're all at one with God at least those that I've punched around a bit are see being with God doesn't have to be comfortable often I think we come to church to be comfy if I'm not comfortable here, why should the rest of you be? I have to work. No, that's... Remember this week, we've got prayer Wednesday night. It is going to be exciting. The awesome Mathan is going to be leading that with a bit of help from his friends. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It is you, isn't it? Yes. Uh, don't forget also, uh, be prepared. November is going to be a month of giving for the... Uh, uh, women's shelter if you have kids in kids church you must sign them out there is no weekly fee for keeping them there so they have to leave by about uh, now um, I think and if you want prayer after the service David and Liz are going to be up here for the next 30 seconds ready to pray for anybody no they'll probably be here a bit longer but uh, do all those things have a blessed week and we'll catch you next Sunday